Hello everyone and welcome to this episode of The Critical Millennial. My name is Kyle Cryan and unlike always, I'm not joined by Alex Holtz. Today is another interview podcast episode in which I am interviewing friend of the podcast, personal friend, Mr. Jack Hopkins. What is up, everybody? And today we're going to be interviewing Jack on his taste in media, his draw to art, and like his own engagement with that and how he sees the Lord through music, TV, movies, all of the above. And then we're going to deep dive a show that both of us so greatly enjoy. Probably a little too much. Amen. Probably actually not enough, to be honest. We're going to talk a lot. Survivor. All that and more on this episode of The Critical Millennial. Oh my gosh, The Critical Millennial. So Jack, why don't you just introduce yourself to us a little bit here? Like tell us some of your favorite forms of entertainment, maybe some of your favorite forms of amusement, and how do you engage with it and seek the Lord in all of that? Absolutely. So my name is Jack Hopkins. I am a 21-year-old, soon-to-be college graduate, hopefully. <laughs> Praise Jesus. Um, and I love media. I love all types of media, um, from TV to music, the occasional book, <laughs> very occasional. Yeah, we're currently in his office, and there's not a lot of books. There's, I've got a shelf. There's like three books up there. You're actually legitimately counting. There's like 15. I haven't read them all, so. Okay, Jack's read two I books. have them, though. No. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> three. Um, <laughs> so I am a musician, and so I love all things music. I love pop music to, you know, the indie music to all these different things, and that's probably the thing I identify with most. I love TV and movies as well. Um, just as art forms, I respect them, and I think they're entertaining. Um, and books, as I said, uh, don't really read them. So <laughs> <laughs> music is definitely my biggest draw um, in media and, and learning and studying music uh, as a musician who loves to learn what makes things sound good. Um, and that applies to movies and stuff as well. It's like, why is this so impactful? And is it because of the score in the movie? Uh, and I think in my faith, that's definitely taken root. Like a lot of the ways I like to express myself is in music and in worship. Um, and also in listening to music and finding different things and different, um, different ways that music impacts people. And I think that also takes the form in the place of faith and and exploring our emotions and yeah yeah i was just talking with someone just yesterday about music and the power of music and why i can't personally really carry that great of a tune but as someone who can move their body to music in ways that is super expressive like for me that's my draw on music like Mm -hmm. you can make music jack you can like sing you can play variety of instruments and you can lead people in worship and for someone who's been led in worship by you, like, it's great. It's a, it's a holistic, wonderful experience that I think a lot of worship that I've been a part of as in the congregation, I don't get as much of. But when, like, you lead worship, I get a very holistic sense that comes from your soul. Yeah. And I Well, first of all, I appreciate that. And second of all, I really, I mean, you want to make every offering as, like, the best offering to the Lord right. you can. Right, right, right. Um, and so, especially in worship, like... A lot of people care about 
the lyrical content and all mm-hmm. that stuff. And mm-hmm. I, I love that stuff. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But specifically, I love making it sound as good as it can. Yeah. And so even in popular media, mm-hmm. um, in pop culture and pop music, popular yeah. music, I love listening to all of it. Dude, there's, there's something that I had a friend in college, a really good friend, and he was all about how... Um, one note can change the mood of a song. Oh yeah. And, and like all experiencing that. And then like, we did a project where I helped him cause I was a counseling and psychology major and I helped him understand emotion and he helped me understand like chords and sounds and like putting them together. Like we would understand like, okay, this is what sadness sounds like. And it was so fun. That was so, it was so good. There's so many intricate details in music that just change things dramatically. Mm-hmm. Um, and like for me specifically, one thing I like is like why, why does this song so popular? Mm-hmm. You think of like all the TikTok songs. Ew. Fair, <laughs> but it's like, but why? Why is Drake's Toozy Slide? Why is that so catchy? Why is it in your head right now, Kyle? It's not actually though, because I have no idea what you're talking about. I laughed at the name of the song. I have no He's idea what that song even is. That's probably good for you. Anyway. Um, I don't watch TikTok. <laughs> it's fair. I just watch the same Vine compilations over and over again. That's also fair. They're I'm a pretty completely good. different generation internet-wise. Yeah, see, I'm not on TikTok, but like I know what's happening. So you're on TikTok without being... Uh, like once a month. You're yeah. on the drug of TikTok. My little brother sends me TikToks. They're usually funny. Of course. Of course, Mikey does. Yeah, he's good. <laughs> um, but I just... I mean, I love knowing why... Specifically, why things are popular and just the so, trends. So, in that, explain to us then how that can impact, for positive or negative, and how you've chased down the Lord in your personal relationship with Him in in that space. Right. So, in studying popular music, I have um, had a strong desire to introduce those kind of things into the church mm. and into my own life. Right. I enjoy worship music that sounds good and i think the lord does too like he loves the joyful noise he also loves those who can't sing and carry a tune because that just shows the heart oh amen (laughs) absolutely i love those people so much um i'm flattered yeah absolutely but now my knife was twisted a little bit absolutely (laughs) absolutely (laughs) cal we know you can't sorry Um, (laughs) but i love i love Digging into music that sounds good, especially taking music that sounds good and talking about the Lord in it. Mm-hmm. So what, what, I know you've brought a couple songs for, to the table for us to, to talk through a bit here. So let's go through them in it for a couple moments here. Like, what are the two songs you've brought to the table that are kind of popular media, one more popular than the other, but the same artist? Let's like, let's dive into that a minute here. Absolutely. So we're... We're diving into an artist specifically that has two songs. And Alex, I know you're listening. Alex, this is for you. This is for you. Uh, you've wanted to talk about this man in depth, and you had to go on vacation. So, <laughs> sorry. This is this is a man that young Christian culture has just grabbed onto, and that he makes amazing music. Oh yeah, amazingly thoughtful in every part of it. Music. Every sense of the word. We still haven't said his name. We haven't. I know. It's pretty cool. (laughs) 
This man is John Bellion. <laughs> he is the infamous man that uh, writes his lyrics after he makes the song. That's that's so true. I love it. I love and it. And it just comes out raw and so real. So before before we say the two songs we're gonna do, what is your favorite Bellion song? But is is it one of the two that we're gonna go over? Hmm. Because I know mine. No, it's no. not. What's your favorite Bellion song? Guillotine. Guillotine. Mine is Fashion. That one's really good, too. Yeah. Mostly because the first line, I love it so much. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking about. We can't say it, but... Lady, I don't need snow. I've already I've said it on an episode <laughs> somewhere, but Fashion gets me every time. Mm-hmm. Boots and, in July, and, baby. And Vulnerable, off Selena Gomez's new album. He wrote and yes. produced that with her. Yes. And it's amazing. Memories by Maroon 5. Ooh. That's by John Bellion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But enough about songs that are I his that we are not going to go over. The two songs we're going to go over are Woke the F Up, another personal favorite, and Stupid Deep. One that is, I think, okay. Just okay. It's okay. Yeah. It's newer. It's newer. It's, you know, it's there. And I'm, I'm excited by it. But, Jack, first of all, for Woke the F Up, let's go over that one real quick here. Acoustic version or normal? So, I know you're probably going to ask me for the other one yeah. about the same thing. Yeah. And there's an easy answer. Okay. Acoustic versions are better 90% of the time. Oh. Any song. Yes. Agreed. Same. Thousand percent. Live versions, acoustic ve- versions are better 90% of the time. Yeah. Yeah. In any song. Mm-hmm. So there's some, some genres why, why that you shouldn't. You, why do you think that is, though? Because it's real. I, what makes it more real, the fact that there's less production and it's more just the person's there? Or is there a realness to the production that is stripped away when it's done acoustically? I think you can definitely tell more emotion when it's their vocal is one less edited and mm-hmm. exposed. Yeah. And then usually acoustic or live versions mm-hmm. have all the live instruments and stuff. Yeah. And so... As a musician, I can say that and say, like, oh, he's actually playing that. Yeah. But you go to a giant concert and you're like, that's tracks. Right. He's not actually playing that. That's recorded. See, as someone who feels... I agree with you, though, that I usually enjoy the acoustic version better, especially in the two songs that we're talking about today. But as someone who feels the need to move and express how the song's making them feel through movement, I, I really love their power performances mm-hmm. because I, I, I feel the expression more. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. But anyway, let's, uh, you pulled up some lyrics first for Woke the F Up. So um, I want to ask this question and then let's piece apart some of these lyrics here. Who is Bellion singing to? Is he singing to God or his girl? And does he confuse them for the same? So you you almost kind of want to twist it to make it be God, but it's not. It's I, not. I've heard, I've heard many argue I, that this is a song of Bellion's salvation, and that's not the discussion we're getting into, but that's what I've heard. Even though the first line of the song, like the first verse is just about taking off your clothes. And, and calling these garden tools. Yeah. Yeah. And that yeah. you are mine. Mm-hmm. But if you literally take out that line, 
So if we rip out parts that we don't like... Yeah. If we, you rip out that first two lines... You can twist the song to be about God. So you, you would say that it's about his girl. I would say it's about his girl. Yep. But do you think he confuses his God, his his girl for God? Like, does It's Bellion, a lot of speculation. Does Bellion, you think, in this song... Because I think he defines like sex and needing that relationship mm-hmm. as fulfillment as God. He definitely worships his girl. Mm-hmm. That's no doubt. This, this song's all about that in my opinion. Right. But I don't know if he confuses God and his girl. I think his girl's his God. There, there it is. That's so, a good way of saying that. Yeah. There's, there's a difference. Cause mm-hmm. I also still think he's a believer. Yeah. I think that there's a, there's a definite, leaning towards that in his music but that chorus though the chorus is what always i mean mm-hmm. that's it's such a good chorus the pre-chorus into the chorus look, can i just read it yeah okay so we live in an age we're where... not big enough for him to know what we're talking yeah. about he doesn't know anyway we live in an age where everything is staged where all we do is fake our feelings i've been scared to put myself out there so time is running out and i need to let you know that last night i woke the f up Realize they need you here, as desperate as that sounds. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Last <laughs> night, I woke the F up. Realized they need you here, as desperate as that sounds. And that, and that repeats. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just repeats over and over again. So the, he's he's expressing a truth where, like, we live in this digital age where everything is staged. Where, like, that Instagram post is not that actual reality mm-hmm. for a lot of things. Not for most not for all, but for most, um, we live, you know, where people just want to be who they want to be on Twitter and they don't want to be who they are in reality, or maybe they want to be who they are too much in the reality. So yeah, this whole media digital age type structure that is, I would say 90% faked, 90% fake, you know, you put a filter on anything. I put a filter on books that I put on Instagram, still real book, still really read it, but you made it look different, but I made it look different. So what, how do we apply this song to our lives? Can we, should we as believers? I think the Lord can use anything. I know the Lord can use anything to impact people. True, true. So. You speak the true, true. Thank you. The true, true train. (laughs) Ooh, new segment. The true, true train. Welcome to the true, true train. (laughs) So the pre-chorus and the chorus of this really had impacted me and have impacted me. Still do. That we live in an age where everything is staged and all we do is fake our feelings. It's so true. Where everything is so fake. And John is saying that last night, or in in the twisted version of Towards God, right. like the way that impacted me is I think mm-hmm. he's saying mm-hmm. that he woke up last night and realized that, ne- realized that he needed the Lord mm-hmm. because everything is fake and he knows the Lord isn't. Right. And that's the way I had initially taken it before, mm-hmm. you know, really digging into it. Right. And it still impacted me. Yeah. I and, mean, because he yeah. might not be singing to the the way, the truth, and the life. He might not be singing to God, to Jesus about them. But there is a, a stark reality to what he's saying mm-hmm. that I that I holistically believe as well. That, like, as someone who I don't think I've ever faked a feeling in my life, like, it's weird I think people find it weird and off-putting when you see an authentic person. Right. You know, you think something's wrong with them, that they're hiding something. And in this song, Bellion's just being like, I'm sorry, I'm done doing that. And if you don't like it and you want to continue to do that, then, like, 
basically F off. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's it. So where does that fall into the life of the believer? If you want to summarize that quickly. It's just as concept. Yeah. I mean, we need the Lord. Yeah. In these things. There's, there's mm-hmm. so much in this world that is fake. I mean, the Bible talks all the time about fake teachers and, and don't be caught up in the things of this world and all Jude, these things. Jude, 1 Timothy, yeah. Corinthians, Romans. Literally all over the place. <laughs> uh, and so this is, a, this is applicable to us. Mm-hmm. The Bible talks about how everything is fake. Yeah. And so we need to wake the F up. Yeah. And we need to realize how desperately we need the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, I just had a thought that you could actually take that first line and spin it to like repentance, to like mm. ripping off your clothes. Sure. And telling all the hypocrites <clears throat> that they can go away, that you're done with them, that you're sick of, of their games, and there's no more time for it. You definitely could. You definitely could. I don't could. think that's his intention, but. But sometimes a good song is written in such a way that it could be applied multiple different ways. That is, the, Those are the best songs. Those are the best ones. Amen. So speaking of one that's not as good, but is still there, Stupid Deep. Man. Okay, so this song we both said the acoustic. We like the acoustic yeah, version. Yeah. That acoustic, that like. Oh. oh, go listen to it right Oof. now. Pause this podcast and listen to the acoustic Link in the version. Description. Just kidding. Deep. We can't do that. Can't do that. Okay. <laughs> so this is his most real song, in my opinion. This is just a cry. He says he says two things in this song. Mm-hmm. He's got the chorus and the verse, and he repeats them. That's so true. That's it. And and he's. He's asking the question. Mm-hmm. He's asking multiple questions. Three, three questions. Three questions. Four questions. <laughs> there's questions, <laughs> and and that's all it's based around. And and there's not really an answer in the song. Okay, can, read us read us the chorus and the verse, okay. and then and then I'll ask the question that I asked you. What if who I hoped to be was always me, and the love I fought to feel was always free? What if all the things I've done were just attempts at earning love? Because the hole inside my heart is stupid deep. What if where I've tried to go was always here? And the path I tried to cut was always clear. Why has life become a plan to put some money in my hand when the love I really need is stupid cheap? Stupid cheap. (laughs) Stupid cheap. So who is Bellion singing about? Is he singing about himself? Is he singing about God? Or is this... Some sort of self-love anthem. So, this one's more up in the air, in my opinion. I think it very well could be about, like, this self-love anthem. Like, the love I really need is myself. Okay, okay. But, I also think it's very easily about God. Okay. So, he understands... The hole inside his heart is stupid. Is, is super deep. Stupid deep. Super stupid deep. Super stupid deep. Yep. Tuesdays on Nickelodeon. Yeah. So he understands his need for something. He's longing for something. And so he talks about that something and what it is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think the first line is the one that makes you think it's self-love. Like, what if, what if who I hope to be was always me? No, that's not the line that makes me think that. What is it? Which one is it? It's when he says that when the love I really need is stupid cheap. Right. God's love ain't cheap. Wasn't cheap. It wasn't cheap, but we didn't pay for it. We didn't pay for it, but it doesn't mean mean it's free to us. 
I mean, the gift is free. The gift is free, but, but it costs this, something. But it costs something, right? And that's where I get tripped up. Hmm. Theologically, theologically, that's where I get tripped up. Yeah, but I wouldn't count on him for deep theological. Well, I'm not. Thoughts. I wasn't counting on him for stupid deep theological yeah. <laughs> cuts. But you know, like that for for someone like me who who studies theology, like that trips me up a little bit there. Hmm. And that's why I asked you the question of like, is this a self love anthem? Right. And it very well could be because loving yourself is is stupid cheap because it's because e- it's kind of easy. It's kind of thing you want to do in general. It's it's selfish yeah. too. Yeah. So it's a thing we want, but really, I think this song is just about this man wrestling with wrestling with his emotions of again the world. Like this world is telling him all these things he needs, like money. Like why has life become a plan to put some money in my hand? But he doesn't feel like he needs it because mm-hmm. he's got all he needs. And whether that's about himself or about God, could be either. Right. Because, I mean, in the song that my favorite song, His Fashion, like he talks about not needing anything. Yep. Because, I mean, but at the end of the day, we all want, we all need fashion. Right. We all need a way to express ourselves. Mm-hmm. But he also sings about how, like, he got he got kicks, he got boots. He in got, July. Mm-hmm. He don't need snow. Doesn't need snow, lady. At all. Never. <laughs> great song <laughs> but so that so so what, what where are you where are you gonna align on this like is this a self-love anthem or is this a song again about a recognition of a need for something more but bellion just never says he he doesn't say what it is i think it's a longing for something more that he doesn't say he doesn't i think he does a really good job of making you have these thoughts and that's why these lyrics are so good. That's why he's good. I mean, yes, agreed. But do you think he even knows what the answer is? Hmm. I don't think he does. I don't think he knows. Because maybe maybe he's wrestling with that thought. Mm-hmm. Is, the, is the love that stupid cheap? I know there's two options that are, you know, okay. That he's posing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's super cheap, which mm-hmm. is the free gift of the gospel. Right. Or loving myself. Mm-hmm. But either way, he's a broken man in saying it in this song. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I see that there, because um, I even I do really like the line where at the end where it's basically like, "But the hole inside my heart is stupid deep." That's it. And like that's that's a tremendous line of vulnerability and honesty to to have out there. The only other person I think that does mainstream music that I have found that goes to that level of honesty for me, but in a whole different way, is uh, Florence Welch of Florence and the Machine. Hmm. Like I haven't you, listened to much of that. When but... you really listen to her lyrics, it's very more dreamlike and metaphory, where his is just like, all right, here it is, here it is, and here's a tune with it, and it's great, and it's awesome, we love it. Right. Hers is much so like, you have to sit and ponder that crap hmm. to figure it out. That's good. I'll definitely check that out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Any, any final thoughts for you on Stupid Deep, Woke the F Up? I just have general thoughts on music. Is that mm-hmm. okay? Yeah. I mean, this podcast has generally covered movies, mm-hmm. and today we're doing music and TV. Music and TV. <laughs> <laughs> so, way to switch it up. But I just think, I think a lot of times it's harder for people to find or follow a story through music than it is through yeah. a movie. Yeah. And I think of there's brilliant storytellers in music. Oh my god! So gosh. I'd encourage encourage you to 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 what are search? Give us three three really good storytellers yeah because then i'll give three 
Okay, number one best storyteller of all time. You're gonna hate me. Am I? This is this is the hot take section. Kendrick Lamar. I don't hate you for that. Okay. To pimp a butterfly. To pimp a butterfly straight into his uh, can I say dam? Yeah, you just did. Well, th- that was about the water dam, but. Oh. Now his yeah, album Dam is real yeah. good. Yeah, it's really freaking good. <laughs> yeah. I listen to so many different mm-hmm. things. Uh, another one that you're probably going to agree with is Beyonce. Yes. The B. She wasn't in my top three, though. I have a completely different top three. But mm, okay. Beyonce. The B. The B tells stories. That queen. I'm trying to think of a good third one. There's a lot of people that do it specifically on individual songs. Mm-hmm. But there's not a lot of people that put it together. So I got, I got two that put it together. Yeah. So another one that I really like that does really well on songs specifically mm-hmm. is Alec Benjamin. I have no idea who that is. You would like him. All right. You should go listen to him. I will. I know home. he's fairly popular. So I've never heard of him in my life. He's got a weird voice. I I love weird. Cool. Love weird voices. You'll like him. Guarantee it. Yeah. So for me, I would say if you guys really want good lyrical storytelling in music, you need to listen to Brooke Frazier's solo albums. Uh, I've listened to her for over a decade now, and I go back to her solo albums repeatedly. She writes for Hillsong. I've mentioned her in this podcast before, um, but I repeatedly go back to her first two albums and cry because a new layer and depth of my own self has been revealed to me through that music. I said Florence Welch, Florence and the Machine. Um, she does it really well, con- like concept-wise, on her second and third album, and then just individual song-wise on her first and fourth album. But someone that... Besides Kendrick Lamar and Beyonce, I want to point out this band called London Grammar. No clue. No, exactly. This is this is the part where the pretentious side of me comes out. They're this small, like British, Irish, Scottish, like what? indie band, <laughs> and they just kill it. Every single song. It's just three, three, three friends. They make music. She has this deep, resonant voice that she sings through that she then skyrockets into this opera. Hmm. And it's just three of them with a guitar, keyboard, and drums, and it's great. London Grammar. We love folk music. It's not folk. What is it? What did you describe it as? As, like, this, like, weird, symphonic, opera, indie stuff. I'm going to give it a try, but (laughs) I'm not so sure about what you're describing. I, Truth be told, I'm almost never sure about what I'm describing. I just, you know what? Words come to the way I feel. Absolutely. And that happens. Um, but John Bellion, Woke the F Up and Stupid Deep. Um, thank you for bringing those to us, Absolutely. to our attention, Jack. My pleasure. We're going to get more music on the podcast someday soon. Once Alex or I can carry a tune. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> okay, so Jack and I have fallen deeply down the rabbit hole that is Survivor. And it's deep. And stupid deep. It's, it's stupid Stupid deep. Survivor just wrapped its 40th season. I have seen every season that's available on Hulu. So that's one to, is it 30 or 35? 34. 34. One to 34. And then I saw season 40 as it played out. I watched it through like YouTube and clips and like things and stuff like that because I don't have cable because it was cable. Um, but Jack, you've watched a handful. I have. I, so my mom always watched it growing up mm-hmm. and I always liked it. Right. But I like I didn't understand really what was happening. Mm-hmm. High school I kind of liked it a lot, but recently in college, thirty nine and forty, <laughs> every Wednesday it was Survivor night, <laughs> and so we would get together and we watch Survivor. Yeah. 
but since quarantine's happened, I just is like, I want to go back. And literally in in about two months, I watched 34 seasons of Survivor. In four weeks, I'm through 10 seasons. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I still ten, beat ten. you with speed on there. Yeah, I, you know, I'm still. You, you were, you're still working. I'm yeah. just like, well, but okay. Why, why do millions, Survivor's been on for 20 years. Yeah. 40 seasons. Why do, why do people still watch this show? It is so entertaining. Is it entertaining or is it amusing? I think it's entertaining. Okay, good. Cause I do too. <laughs> yes. Uh, it is, as Jeff Probst would say, it's a social experiment. It is the perfect social experiment. Absolutely. Except for the past two seasons, but that's... Okay, that's because... That the Age is... of Extinction needs to go away. That one's... The Redemption Island was good. And fire tokens need to burn in hell. Because fire tokens are the worst. Fire them. Okay. Okay, sorry. Bad jokes. <laughs> um, but people watch it because it's entertaining. And people... It's like... It's I, you know people I don't want to watch it because beautiful people on an island in small clothing. That's part of it. I'm not even gonna lie. For some <laughs> people, I bet it is. But it's like it's also part of the reason why people watch The Bachelor, like ironically, or Bachelorette, because it's just interesting to watch people go crazy That's and just watch people. True. But The Bachelor is like people go crazy because they're just because they're yeah. told to go crazy. Survivor people go crazy because. They're deprived of food, water, life. They're on an island. They're on an island, and they're trying to kill and, and they're dying. kill each other. Like yeah, yeah. and and they need to out outwit, outlast, outplay. It is as close to Lord of the as you, we could get to like Lord of the Flies without like it being illegal. I I love Lord of the Flies. It was one of my favorite books yeah, yeah, yeah. I read in high school. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but why do you, why do you, that's why people that's why people watch it. You yeah, know, it's, it's like, entertaining. It's entertaining. You got beautiful people for the most part on in exotic locations. They they strip them of their clothes immediately, and it's just like yep. within the first episode, everyone's in, in the water. their underwear in this, <laughs> in their in the water in their underwear, and it's ridiculous. And then they you know deprive them of food, and then they make them compete in ridiculous challenges. Like right. and then at the end of the night, someone's gone. Yep, and it's exhilarating but why do you why do you love survivor if if there's an besides all of those things we've said is there any other reasons why you love survivor so there's two reasons for me uh, one is because i enjoy psychology not as much as kyle at all <laughs> i enjoy psychology specifically the whole concept of the jury and oh, yeah having to having the people that you vote out of the game that you said, uh-huh. I don't like, or I don't like you, or you shouldn't be here yeah. because you're gonna beat me. You know, there's someone that wrote their like doctoral thesis on the jury system of Survivor, right? The one that played the game. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> I'm watching the season. I think he wins. So yeah, yeah, I, I am. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> um, and you have to convince those same people that you voted out that you deserve a million dollars in the title Soul Survivor. Not that you deserve it, that they should give it to you. They have to give it to you. They're the only people that decide. Well, they're that six to nine people, right? Um, It started off in the earlier seasons around seven people. Okay. And then, I mean, Winners at War, it was like the entire cast, it right? Was, it was Yeah, because everybody's on Extinction. Yeah, it was too many people. Um, it was wild. And then I think they've had, they usually do around like 10, somewhere between like 9 to 11, because they try to keep it at an yeah. odd number, but a couple seasons they've had even numbers and it's almost gotten to a tie. Um, right. But that jury system is an incredible feat 
I want to know who came up with that. I think it was Mark Burnett, the producer, probably. probably. He's a genius. It, it's 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 the reason I like the psychology of the show. Mm-hmm. It's it's that part. The beginning of the game's kind of boring, in like, my opinion. Like when there's two or three tribes and there's yeah. all the swapping and stuff like that. It, mm-hmm. it, that's just the relationship building part because it yeah. needs to be there. Yeah. But the real gameplay happens when you merge. Oh, that merge. Oh, Jeez. it does. If you make it to the merge, first of all, good on you. Good job. Second of all, you better be ready to play. Mm-hmm. That's it. And some people aren't, and that's when they suck. Or just get dragged to the end. Or just get dragged to the end. Here's the thing. Like, I I could, wa- I would watch the show if it was just an hour of Tribal Council. Great. Would be amazing. If, it, if the show was nothing, like, we didn't see anything else. We didn't see the relationship building. We didn't see the challenges. We didn't need to know why this tribe was at Council. But if it was just an hour of group therapy where someone just gets voted out at the end of group fa- of group therapy. Like that's an incredible show. You failed therapy time. You failed therapy. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> <laughs> the tribe is smoking. Like we don't want like I, and you like, you just then piece the rest of it together by who's talking and who's saying what, and who's not saying what they need yep. to be saying. It's Jeff Probst. Uh, I learned so much from Jeff Probst and just watching him interact with these people during tribal councils. Right. Like how to talk to people. I've learned, I've learned how to ask questions from two people, the apostle Paul and Jeff Probst. (laughs) Not even joking. Like, I'm not kidding. I'm I'm, like, I would say that's blasphemy, but it's definitely not. It's definitely not. No. Like the apostle Paul taught me to ask questions. And so did Jeff Probst. Yeah. Jeepers, man. Man. He, I mean, you studied psychology and so you care more about that stuff than I do. And so, like, my second reason for liking Survivor is not like that at all. I really just enjoy challenges hmm. in life in general mm-hmm. and, and specifically Survivor challenges. Like, I love puzzles, and I also love, like, just endurance, just the mindset. I could, yeah, I could see I could see that. Like, that's something that I enjoy thinking about. Because I'm someone where I'm not a super physical person, but if you put a physical obstacle in front of me, I will not stop until it's done. Right. But if you put a puzzle in front of me and I can't figure it out in like two minutes, I'm like, I'm done. This is stupid. Get it away from me. See, I I, I really enjoy puzzles. Mm. Like the games I play, like whether it's video games or whatever, yeah. are puzzles or chess or stuff like that. Mm. See, mine's a lot of like grinding, like Pokemon and Borderlands where yeah, you got to right. level up and be stronger. Right. And it's just like, I can do that. Yeah. And I also, um, what was I going to say? I don't know. I don't, re- I can't read your mind. Sorry, I got a missed call and then I lost it. Oh. Well, anyway, like let's, <laughs> <laughs> so that's why we love Survivor. I think we've kind of covered that, the, the ins and outs of Survivor. But, but here's what's really, really interesting. Having watched 34 season, 35 seasons of the show is that almost every season, not every season, but. Many, 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 many professing believers have played this game. Mm -hmm. Many in the earlier stages, one, there's an earlier season where the final two were lambasted by the jury because they said that y'all just leaned on your faith as a crutch to not play the game and that's how you got here. And they were like a very upset jury. I think it was Vanuatu. No, was it Vanuatu? I forget. It was the first time we, we meet Boston Rob, his season. Oh, okay. I don't think I've seen this. It's early. early. Were you born yet? I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> yes, I was. <laughs> um, so many, and and one of them, season nineteen, famously, mm-hmm. Natalie White beat Russell, 
and that season, Survivor Samoa season 19, but also in that season we had Laura, mm-hmm. who came back with her daughter to play um, San Juan del Sur. I think it was San Juan del Sur. Uh, I'm such a nerd. <laughs> I do, like. I recently probably watched these seasons, and I have no clue what you're talking about. Um, but Laura was like a professed believer. She said that she has her degree in women's ministries. Oh yes. And yeah, then yeah. that same season, we have Shambo, who's like saying oh, that the Lord gosh. came to her in dreams, and that she's being a prophet for things. And you're just yep. like, whoa, where's all this coming from? So, should Christians play a game of deception like this? So should, should they? Should they? Can they? They do. They they obviously do. The two of us want to. I really want to. So the answer is kind of complicated, but my answer in the end is yes, they can. Okay. Well, let's. Why is it? I wouldn't encourage. Can... You just hit the microphone. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I would encourage many people to do this, but certain <laughs> people, I'd be like. You can represent the Lord well on this show by winning. (laughs) By winning. Yeah. Everything you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. Right. Right. But when it comes to a game where it's lying, deceiving, Mm -hmm. backstabbing, do you honor the Lord in that? Like, can you do that for his glory? I mean, is, is, but is it because it's a game, is it fake enough to where like, yeah. Can Christians play poker? Mm -hmm. It's the same question. Like you have to have a poker face, right? That's lying. Like you have to lie. Like I have good cards, but really have nothing just to make somebody fold. I mean, you know, I'm not a youth leader anymore, but (laughs) when I was, we would play this game called, um, there's like a, it's, I forget what it's called. It's like, there's a bomb in the room and you have to figure out where it is and protect the president. And one team wants the president to die or capture the president. Mm-hmm. And we played that with a bunch of students, and I won 14 times in a row because yep. I just convinced them all of what I needed to convince them all of. <laughs> right. And But is that okay? Because it's like, hey, it's a game. I wanted to win the game. And that's where I would say it's okay. It's because it is a game. Right, but those games with my students aren't weren't televised. Correct. Right. This I is televised to millions of people forever because Hulu. Yeah. <laughs> And, and that's that's where the struggle comes in. It's because it's open to everybody. If you're playing a little game with some students, like, that doesn't do this. And also, this game hurts people's feelings, too. Right. And so that's where it gets a little... Because it's all about relationships. And so it gets a little squirrely about people saying that. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, we've obviously never played Survivor. But from my own research, it's like... It's not fake. They're, they're spending... 24 hours a day for at least for three of the two to three of them, 39 days together. And so like they're actually living life together off camera. Yeah. And so who knows the kind of conversations they're having off camera? Like, Hey, like what's your family? Like, where did you come from? And then, and then the cameras turn on and it's like, all right, well, I can't talk to you anymore or I got to go talk to this person now. Cause I got to plan out how I'm going to slit your throat. Right. The tears that people shed when they get voted out of the game by a blindside you're, are real. You're currently watching Fans versus Favorites too. Yeah. And that has the most heartbreaking vote out. And I haven't seen it yet, have I? I don't, I don't know if so. you have. It's it's into the merge. Oh, no, no, no. And this person weeps. And I've seen it twice and I cry with them because... It's real. It sucks. Especially this one when you get to it. But it's... 
they're also crying because it's a game. Right. And they lost the game. Right. And so where is the line, right, between game and reality? Mm-hmm. And that's and that's where we're at with this question. Yeah. Is can Christians play this game because it's a game, but the relationships in it kind of real mm-hmm. and it's televised. Mm-hmm. So what do you do? Christians historically have done well on this show. Very well. Yes. Because of their morals and their loyalty. Generally. Generally. It also puts a target on them. Mm-hmm. Because everybody loves them. Mm-hmm. And so... Or there's one person that's so vehemently against them. Right. That everybody loves them. That everybody like loves Russell. Right. Yes. Ugh. Fascinating. But like, so in the first time they did Redemption Island, there's this guy, Matt who is on Redemption Island yes. by himself oh my goodness. for like 90% of his game. He's voted out finally for the final time and he's like on the jury. But the whole time he's praying and he's expressing how much pain he's in being alone out here with God. And then one of the girls that he beats on Redemption Island gives him her Bible. Mm-hmm. And then like that explodes into him getting more camera time to talk about his faith, talk about all these things. And he doesn't mm-hmm. go behind anyone's back. Yep. But this girl that likes him, who's one of my favorite players ever, Andrea, she's played like five times. She gets to the jury and that's it. Like she gets to the jury, gets three or four people into the jury. He's always voted out. Yep. She's also, she professes to have some sort of faith. Yep. But she's lying, deceiving, coming up with all these schemes and, and like murdering people. Not actually, but like in survivor terms, she's murdering them. Where, how, how can both of them proclaim faith? Right. But acts so differently in front of the camera. For sure. Well, first of all, I just want to comment on Matt. He, it was amazing. The, everybody who came through with de- redemption had some kind of encounter with Matt that led them to the Lord. Yeah. I think of Mike specifically. Yeah. He's like, this. I didn't think this is what I was going to get out of Survivor, but I need to start going to church again and be reconnected yeah. to the Lord. I was like, you go, Matt. Yeah. Like, look at you. Yeah. And I'm like, that's so respectable. Mm-hmm. But he was never going to win the game. He couldn't get to the end. Couldn't. You can't. And so, and, and that's where you, you draw the line a little bit. It's like, how much can you deceive to still be honoring and win the game? Mm-hmm. And I think there is a level. I think of Lisa from Sarah Philippines, who was the child oh, TV yeah, star. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved her. She also did women's ministry stuff, and she yeah. was great. Yeah. Right? She made she, it to the final three. Yeah, she did. And she had a chance. She She got second, I think. Yeah. And because that's because she made some moves. Mm-hmm. Because halfway through, she realized. Actually, it's after her brother came on the. Yeah. On the on the. Those family visit. visits. Oh, every time. Every Tears. time. But my she realized it would be a dog if I had a dog. But like, just bring me my dog. Bring me my dog. <laughs> <laughs> just cries. This dog means so much to. Anyway, it'd be funny. You'd never get chosen. You'd have to win. It's all right. I'm gonna let you take your dog. Exactly. You're right. That's fine. It's all right. But. After her brother talked to her, she's like, mm-hmm. she woke up and was like, she woke yeah. the F up. She woke the F up. She realized that realized. she needed him there, as desperate as that sounds, yeah, to yeah. play the game. <laughs> and yeah, she realized she needed to play the game. Mm-hmm. And she was there to play the game. Like, yeah. Lord had put her there to play the game. And so play the game. I mean, it says all, I mean, Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work with it with all your heart. It's working for the Lord. Like, you are in this game. Do it. With excellence. Do it for the Lord. But the excellence, but, but in this case, the excellence is, you're going to stab him in the back? 
You gonna throw them under the bus? And uh, you gonna stand in front of them, slit their throat? You know, there's many good counter arguments. <laughs> like to counter argument. There's so much in the game that is deceitful and lying. Mm-hmm. But you also are there to win. Right. What makes that different than any other game, though? That's the problem. You don't have to lie and deceive and, like, sorry and Monopoly. You might not. Oh, jeez. I'm I'm just been playing Monopoly. I love board games. (laughs) Like, you don't have to lie and deceive in Settlers of Catan. I do, but you don't have to. (laughs) I don't have wood. Do you have wood? That always confuses me. I need wood. Like, and you're trading it. That game confuses me. Mm -hmm. I troll that game. It's a little bit confusing. But, I mean... So there's just a balance, mm-hmm. and you need to decide in yourself if you're going to play the game, if you're okay with it. I think it's your own convictions. Yeah. So you've brought some scripture to the table here. Yeah. Like, walk us through your mindset as you took Survivor to the Bible. So the first thing that I, I pulled out that kind of made me think, I don't want to lie and deceive, was because initially I'm like, I want to play the game to win, because right. I'm just a competitive guy, and right. I love games. Right. So Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, mm-hmm. whatever is honorable, mm-hmm. whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worth of, worthy of praise, think of these things. Mm-hmm. It's like, hmm, is lying and deceit honorable, just, pure, true, <laughs> lovely? Could be commendable. It can be. And it can be excellent could be excellent and commendable depending on how you treated the jury or how the jury looks at it. Could it be honorable in the sight of the game? In the sight of the game. So in the sight of the game, to play a true game, right? do you lie and deceive? And so, but are we just twisting scripture? I don't know. To fit our game? I don't know. We're not that made me think. Yeah, we're not trying to make an excuse to play the game because we're both really desiring to play this game. Right. So we're probably both going to, fingers crossed prayers up end up on the show same season best duo of all time coming it's <laughs> so bad coming to a theater near you Gosh. it'd be a hero and a villain playing alongside each other it would be the greatest story of all time. i would be the villain i would yeah i would yeah i can't, I can't really do it so that's also where we differ yeah is you strongly want to be the villain and i want to be a hero Here's the thing is, like, I don't strongly want to be the villain. You'd be good at it. I'm, I just know I'm going to be good at it, okay? I don't know if I said this on this podcast. We actually, I just told you this, but in college one time, the highest compliment, one of the highest compliments I've ever received is after a really good discussion with one of the guys when I was an RA, he looked me square in the face and said, wow, you're going to take this as a compliment, and that's okay, but you could make the Joker commit suicide. And, like, I took that as a compliment. So I'm going to take that. If I get on Survivor, I'm going to take that in as Survivor. You should say that in your first interview. <laughs> That'd be great. I can make and the, I'm going to win this game. I'm going to win this game because, you know what? I can make the Joker commit suicide. And everybody be like, what? <laughs> it, I, I'm that it's person, a game. I'm that person that's either out first episode or all the way to the end. Yeah, and who yeah, knows yeah. what's going to happen? Poor Francesca. <laughs> can we talk about that real quick? Anyway. She gets voted out the first time both are seasons. Oh, it's so sad. Oh, Francesca. She, she was such a dumb player. How do you feel about Philip? I hate Philip, but okay. I respect Philip. Do you, as a federal federal agent, former federal agent? No, just as a, I think, <laughs> I just respect him as a, he's a human. <laughs> Crazy. Undiagnosed. <laughs> On 
<laughs> Ooh, good. We're in agreement. And uh, Survivor's just... It was hard... The only scripture I found... I forget what this is, but I was just thinking about it. It's like, run the race that's set before you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if Survivor is the race that's set before you... Or it, a part of the race that the Lord has set before you. Yeah. And will give you a platform. I'm not saying you go out there and deny the Lord. That's right. the opposite of I what would, I would say. I would 1,000% not do that. Right. But I'm okay being the villain. Right. And you can be a Christian villain on the show, I think. Because I think at, at a certain point, every Christian's villainized anyway on a television show. Right. So much is that they're villainized either as being too soft of a player or leaning into their faith as a crutch to not do anything. Yep. And so... You're there to play the game. You're there to run the race. So mm-hmm. run the race with excellence. Okay. That's what I would say. Do it for the Lord. Do it for the Lord. Win. So Win the game. Let's talk then through what what would you do? You're on Survivor. Am I allowed to say this? They're going to find this in years, and I'm not going to lose the game because my strategy's out there. <laughs> Just kidding. No one... Th- Watch this be the episode that blows up. And like yeah, it's going to be it. 10,000 people listen to this. Jeff Probst, I love you. Listen to this. I love you more, Jeff. That's probably true. Um, it's true. <laughs> I. Are we talking? We're just talking post merge. We just had to get to the merge. Post, you just got to get to the merge, and you get to the merge by not taking the hero slot in and any don't challenge. Suck. Don't suck in a challenge, and just do your part around camp and get to know everyone. Yeah. Like just be a be a kind person. Have a skill that people need. Like yeah. I know how to start a fire with flint and steel now. I'm really good with a machete. You know, I've got flint and steel right here. It's right there on his desk. I'm looking yeah, right at it's it. Right wow, here. it's not used very much. Not not recently. No. Mine is completely gone. Well, you should get a new one. They're only like $10. I know. They're great. Yeah. Uh, I had to start a fire like that on a camping trip. Oh, oh, oh my gosh. Jeez. Oh, I'm sorry. That hurt your ears. Um, but, okay, so post-merge, I mean, I would... I would probably be the guy that would be loyal to his alliance. I would get my alliance of five or six, mm-hmm. and That's I would... a big alliance. At first. <laughs> you, you have to have an alliance, and you have to have a sub-alliance, of course. As yeah, Boston like Robert. Jesus and his... Yeah, he's got, he's got his 12, and he's got his three. Exactly. I'm, I base my, everything off the Lord. <laughs> but instead of 12, six, because you need the numbers. And then at that point, it's you know it goes down to three or just two. Right. Mm-hmm. And then... But at that point... You have your sub-alliance. You're like, we're going final three. And that's the people I would try to stay true to until it gets to four or five. Right. So until it's like, you know, if it all works out, until it's just your alliance left. Right. Mm-hmm. I think of, I mean, I think of Spyro Philippines with, you had Denise and Malcolm. Ugh. And you had Scoopin and Lisa. Yeah. And they both were like, each pair was like, we're going to take each other to the finals. And Scoopin won final immunity. And so Denise and Malcolm were like, we're both the biggest threats. Like, we can't take each other. Yeah. Like, if we send us to fire, one of us still goes home anyways. Right. And so... So it's by Malcolm. Yeah. And it made sense. Made perfect sense. Yeah. And there's... And that's not deceit. That's just playing the game. Right. They both knew right. it was coming. So there's no deceit in your game? No, I didn't say that. I said, I, I mean, you have to get there. As long as it's not me, in the words of the queen. In the words of Queen Sandra. Yeah. As long how, as that's how me. she won both her seasons that she won. Wild. As long as it's not me. It's craziness. And I it's think... It's never going to work again. I think... No, I think that that's how you get to the merge at this point. As yep. long as it's not me. Yep. You just got to agree. Mm-hmm. So, I think my game would look fairly loyal, probably compared to yours. But, 
Excuse me? Uh, I, hey, I'm Excuse about to ask me? you the same question back. <laughs> so, how would you do it? I would just lay low until I'm threatened. And then you'd make moves? Yeah. Even in the merge? Yeah. So how do you win the game? I win the game by, like, planting seeds of doubt in people. By laying low, but still planting hmm. seeds of doubt. Who did that? Well. No one. I don't think they did. Like, Sandra kind of did that. Parvati did that heroes versus villains. Yeah. Um, but I would honestly also, it's never been done, and I want to hear your thoughts real quick on this. Why does an all-male alliance never work? <laughs> because they're all the alpha. Because every guy wants to be the alpha. And see, that's what work. I would want to do is, like, make an all-male alliance be the alpha by saying, like, by being the beta. Yeah. Oh, it would work. It would work. It works every time. Cochrane did it. And and make all of them my meat shields. And then yeah. they get voted off, and then there I am. Oh, no. The last one? Ha-ha. <laughs> like, yeah. And you're the one that would... Yep. And, and, I, and, I, and then I feed my alliance false information to see who's telling other people. Right. And then I just... People, people have done that, too. And then I kill them. Yeah. Yeah, and they're dead. Then they're dead. They're dead to me, and maybe... See, but I wouldn't be that guy, because I would be too prideful to align with all those men, in my opinion. Oh, so so I, I would you be, would be my meat shield? Yes. Without but I would it. also have two old ladies. You always got to have a nice old lady. You have to. I mm-hmm. love the old ladies. They're the best of the game. Honestly, they really are, and no one likes to keep them around. Denise, Except Lisa? season nine. Season nine. Vanuatu. Bro, I haven't seen the one. Watch that season. Okay, I will. It is wild. Great. It's wild. Vanuatu is one of my favorite seasons. Has my least favorite cast of characters, but is still one of my favorite seasons. Has my least favorite winner, but dang, if that's not a good season of Survivor. Heck yeah. I will watch it. Mm -hmm. There's just so many seasons that's, like, just some of the people, you're like, what are you doing? Yeah. And then, then the people, and then they give them second chances, and then that makes me mad. See, that's also another one of my goals is to like be so well liked by people and viewers that they're like, oh, we gotta bring them back. Like, ask them to come back because at that point they're paying you to be on the show. Right. It's like yes. okay. I, I think the only person I would say my game would probably be similar to is Malcolm. Interesting. He won a lot of challenges. Are you gonna be that physical? I think I have the ability to. Yeah. I just have a. I feel like I have good mental endurance. See, I anyway. base I base my game off of like Parvati, Michelle, Natalie, who won season nineteen. Yeah. Like I base my and Cochrane. Like I mostly not necessarily Cochrane as much, but I base my game off of women. Yeah. I'm trying I to think, think of a better example. I think women play better survivor than men. I agree. Who what's the count on men versus women winning? I don't know if it's happening. I don't know either. We should have been prepared. I didn't think we were gonna go there, eh. but I. I mean, it's but you just said you had, you had questions for me about Survivor. Yeah, I just you like psychology, mm-hmm. and so how do you feel about the psychology of making an alliance and then going against your alliance? I'm totally fine with it. Why? Totally fine with it. A, because game, but like B, because. A cause game. A cause game. Um, but in reality, it's just like, well, at the end of the day, there's only one. There's only one ultimate survivor. Mm-hmm. And so that will be me. And if I have to sack you off to the sharks, I will do that. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that what you just said is part of the reason why I think it's okay to play the game. Mm-hmm. 
is because everybody knows it's a game. Mm-hmm. It's not real life. That is why Philippians 4.8, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, like those are the two things to be like, I don't think lying and deceiving is. But in the game, people look at that on the jury and say, this guy made a big move. That's how you truly play the game. Yeah. And I love when there's jury members that are like, we got duped, guys. Like, they played a better game than us. Y'all just bitter and sad. Like, yeah. get over it. I, I think of the seasons, like, 19, yeah. where Russell, wow, did he play the game. Mm-hmm. But that's... He overplayed the he game. He overplayed the game, where Natalie's just sitting there like, everyone liked me. And the guy that she voted out, that her mm-hmm. only plan of attack, the first jury member, came to her rescue and was like, guys... She voted me out. Like, she's the best player here. Like, are you kidding me? And then Russell single-handedly took everybody out. And it happened with Michelle. Yep. Like... She was just there. She was just kind of there playing a great social game. And the guys that she got voted out were like, and you just got stronger and stronger and stronger. Yep. Mm -hmm. Coming to your own. I mean, she won a a crazy amount of immunity challenges at the end. It's true. That's true. Is there anything else that you wanted to say about Survivor as far as, like, scripture, as far as, like, the Christian walk and the Christian life and, and... what survivor could do to do to you man if you are unsure in your faith don't do it it is it will see i would say the opposite well okay so it's either gonna build you up or it's going to destroy you yeah which destroying is not always bad right i mean james talks about trials anyway kind of all join brothers and face trials of many kinds but man people are going to test you it is mentally taxing it is physically taxing you will break down and so if you're not, if Jesus is not where your hope comes from normally, it sure won't come from there in the game. Right. So I would encourage you to watch it and understand how non-Christians think too. Oh, I think that's probably the biggest thing mm-hmm. is seeing how easily you can interact with those non-believers there and give them hope. And I think that's the reason I want to play Survivor. One, to win. And second, to build relationships and give hope to people. Mine's just to build my own self-confidence. There's nothing wrong with that? And have a good time. It's it's a game. But I will do those things by winning. Yeah. (laughs) And that's that's kind of different. It's like, that's my hero mentality. Actually, winning's probably second to me. I don't know why. It's just like, I desire to help people in this game. But so, also, I want to win. So basically, you. I'm trying to think of it. You're you're the Brenda. I don't know who that is. Do I know who that is? She's in the season you're watching. But oh you, yeah, yeah 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 yeah. Brenda. You're Brenda. Yeah. She just does what's good for everyone else. See, but yeah, but I'm too strong of a personality. Just like. Oh, you should watch the first season she was on. Mm. Uh, oh. Good season. Yeah, but. But anyway, that is Survivor, you guys. We rambled on and on about Survivor. We could probably go another hour on Survivor. Definitely could. Um, Worth your time to sit and watch if you want to understand. I know I've said this before, but now I have someone who actually has watched Survivor, unlike Alex, who didn't really understand what I was talking about. (sighs) Watch Survivor. um, And you will learn a lot about human human nature. You'll learn a lot about psychology. You'll learn about, uh, like, the human mind than the human spirit. And, and I think that you will learn a lot about faith through this, through watching everyone on the show who says that they believe, who says they're Christian, and then the way they act. Because 
so many things come out in people's lives and people's hearts, who they really are, how they really think. And for some people, that is their depravity is showing again. And for some people, that's like, well, that's who you've always been. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say quickly, Jack, to just implore someone as to why Survivor is worth watching? I think this form of media, specifically the reality TV, just shows you the world. And in order to do the best ministry in life, you need to understand where people are coming from. Mm. Yes, excellent point. And I think Survivor, in a raw and... Real. Yeah, because everybody's miserable way, shows you where people are at Mm -hmm. from all over the place, all Mm -hmm. over the U.S., all different occupations, ways of life. Mm -hmm. Like this show, this show, like they did a season where they were split up by socioeconomics. Oh my gosh, that was one of my favorites. They, and they've done a season based on like whether you're a beautiful person, you're a strong person, or you're a smart person. Mm -hmm. They've done it whether you are someone with a job that's like a healer, like you're a cop, you're a fireman, you're a lawyer, like stuff like that. You're a hustler. Like they did professional poker players and people who conned people and stuff like that. And then they did, or heroes healers hustlers or and like heroes they had like army people and navy people and all these things and doctors and they split them up and like oh man i could go for days again on that there yeah there's so much you can learn about culture and people from the show and that's what survivor is it is a cultural social economic experiment of what is humanity Mm -hmm. and it's great and there's a reason it's been on for 20 years there's a reason it'll be on for probably another 20, 30, 40. And hopefully you'll see Jack and I uh, in a season someday. And Jeff Probst will be my best friend. Jeff Probst. Here's final thought. Oh, gosh. Jeff Probst, I want him to call me by my last name. Oh. That's how you know he likes you. I will be Hopkins. I will have to change my last name. Because <laughs> I don't want him to be like, oh, you crying? You crying? That could work, though. It could. Could that be my MO? I just cry the whole time. <laughs> like Dawn? I think it works. I think it might work. <laughs> you know what? A guy Unless you annoy the jury. A guy's never cried the whole time. No. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of The Critical Millennial. As always, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Just search for The Critical Millennial. Look, look for that purple and gold X. And remember, X marks the spot with The Critical Millennials and our critical hits. Thank you so much, Jack Hopkins, for joining us on this episode. Absolutely. I enjoyed every minute of it. As did I. And maybe someday we'll have you back. We need to talk about more music. You just mentioned swearing and Christian music. Oh, it's uh, it's an edgy topic. It's an edgy edgelord topic that we will have you back on to discuss. Maybe we'll bring on our mutual friend Dara to discuss it, too. That would, she needs to be here. (laughs) Dara, we're getting you on the podcast. Next episode of the podcast, I don't know what's happening. It's either going to be another interview with another friend or Alex is back finally from his two weeks out. And we're talking about uh, Batman v Superman because Alex hates me and wants me to watch that movie again. It's a terrible movie. It's not good. I Well, I was amused. Okay. I was less than. Anyway, thank you guys for joining us on this episode. We'll see you on the interwebs. Bye. Oh my gosh, the critical millennial!